Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Valley Church of the Nazarene. I'm Ben Beckner, Associate Pastor. Senior Pastor Chris Yoakum and I are glad that you have tuned in to listen to our services and sermons. We would also love to have you join us in person at 228 Madison in Monta Vista, Colorado for our Sunday morning worship services that begin at 1015. We also have Sunday school classes for all ages that begin at 9 a.m. During the week, we have Wednesday night programming, including an adult Bible study, Valley Naz Youth for students in 7th through 12th grade, and children's quizzing for our elementary age kids. There are also various other activities and Bible studies that you can be involved in. Please visit our website at valleynaz.com and our Facebook page for more information. We have something for everyone for you to encounter God with others looking to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ as well. Again, thank you and welcome to our podcast. Hello and welcome once again to this week's podcast from Valley Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Chris Yoakum's message this week is entitled, Pray in the Spirit, and is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 18. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can have your word before us. We thank you that we can hear your word, that we can study your word, that we can understand your word. We pray again that you would just attend with us. Lord, anoint as I preach. Anoint as the message goes out. Would you prepare our hearts? We thank you. Protect us this morning, we pray. This morning we're going to wrap up Ephesians. Hopefully you enjoyed Ephesians. Hopefully it's been helpful. We're going to talk about prayer. And I hope that this morning that when we are done seeking to understand what Paul's talking about prayer, that you will you'll have a greater grasp of the beauty of prayer, the importance of prayer, and how to be effective in prayer. Prayer is such a, a wonderful thing. There was a farmer that stopped at a city restaurant to eat lunch. And we, when he was served his food, he bowed his head and gave thanks to the Lord. Some teenagers sitting at, the nearby, at a nearby table noticed the farmer's prayer and shouted, Hey, Pops, back where you come from, does everybody pray before they eat? Their laughter was silenced when the unmoved farmer answered, No, the hogs don't. <laughs> what a great answer. What a great response. Right? And that's funny. But you know what? It's such a great response because it's true. Pigs don't pray. Right? Pigs don't pray. Pigs don't have no have great privilege to hang a relationship. 
God and be able to have a acknowledge God and have a relationship with Him. And one of the greatest ways that we we have that we can acknowledge God and have a relationship with Him is through prayer. And so many people neglect prayer; they don't understand how important it is and what a privilege it is that we can pray, that we can that we can know God. Folks, our our world today is so so caught up in so many cases with. Just what is the physical and the, and the natural? They don't, they don't understand the transcendence that is so, so apparent and that there is a God and He desires a relationship with us. And so this morning, this morning as, we, as we look at prayer, I hope we can gain a greater understanding of how important prayer is. And if I were to go around to each and every one of you this morning, and if I were to ask, to ask you if you consider yourself a prayer warrior, or a prayer relief leader. I wonder what your response would be. Because we are in a battle, as Paul tells us, we're in a spiritual battle. And all of these things are so very important, all of the defensive weapons and the offensive weapons of the word. Because folks, let me tell you, if we don't understand prayer, we're not going to be as effective, we're not going to be as effective as we could be. So this morning, I wonder, within your own thinking, you consider yourself a prayer warrior or a prayer relief leader. Can I admit this morning that when I was when I was young, in my early twenties, I had a very vibrant prayer life. Um, you know, I just felt like, man, me and God, man, we got it. Right? We had this, this wonderful, wonderful, intimate prayer relationship. But then there was a period in my life when I would say for 15 years, folks, I hate to admit this. I mean, I just somehow lost that confidence that I have that I was able to, to pray in the effective prayer for so many years. Prayer was such a frustrating thing. I just felt like that I, I didn't know what I was doing or, or whether what whether what I was doing was was any good. It's a frustrating thing. Well, I've got some exciting news because what Paul is going to tell us this morning about prayer will help you. And when you leave this place, you can leave with confidence that with the right posture, with the Holy Spirit, you too can be a prayer warrior. Okay? That's my infomercial. <laughs> it really is good. When we think about prayer, we think about it in two aspects. Prayer is communication with God, right? It's that, it's that, that communication with God when we, we speak to God. We believe that God communicates with uh, to us through His Word, but He also communicates to us through prayer. We believe that there's, a, there's communication with God. But really, prayer, the most one of the other very important aspects of prayer is that it is intercession. It is intercession. The word intercession has the idea of come between. Okay, come between. Prayer is a mediatory. Okay? Mediatory meaning we, we, come, we come in between. We, we, we mediate. I've got I've listed scriptures there. If you want to write those down, I'm not going to turn to them. But there are just a few scriptures. But you can look throughout scripture where, where we talk about prayer being a mediatory act. We are praying to pray for something, to intercede for something. Prayer is a mediatory act. Okay? God can act immediately. Okay? Or without intervening cause. God is able to do that. He can act immediately without any kind of any intervening cause. 
But he has ordained to work through our prayers. Prayer is a secondary or mediate cause. Okay? I don't want to get uh, too much in the weeds here, but I want us to understand this. That prayer is a, is a, is a mediate act or a secondary act or a secondary cause. Can, I, can you turn me down a little bit up here to the uh, monitors? Northwest monitors. God can act immediately without intervening cause, but he is ordained to work through our prayers. Prayer is a secondary or immediate cause. Now, this is a very important thing for us to understand. And so I just want to spend just a brief moment talking about secondary cause. Okay? As an example of that, if I were to ask you where does light come from, right? If you were to ask the scientific community, they'd say, well, it comes from the sun. It comes from the sun or the stars that produce light. Yes and no. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Very familiar scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 and 5. And God said, let there be light. There was light. God saw that the light was good and separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And we look over at verses 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was, it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day, and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God sent them to the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. So where does light come from? The sun? Yes, it does. But the sun is a secondary or immediate cause. God uses the sun to give light. Now, folks, this is what separates theists from atheists. Can I say that there are many people who can claim to be Christians who live like atheists, they are practical atheists. The scientific community can search out, they can try to find what causes everything. They're never going to find it, folks, because it's not within the physical universe. God is the primary cause. The sun is a secondary cause. So when you, when you think about light, it's not that the light gives sun, it's that light comes from God. He uses the sun to give light. Hopefully we can understand that. The air that you breathe in, you think, well, it's air that produces, that gives me life, gives me oxygen. No, it is God who does that. He uses air to do that. All of these things are secondary or immediate causes. God is the primary cause. God is the primary cause. He is the one who gives power. Now, that's very important for us to understand when it comes to prayer. Prayer has no power in and of itself. That is so important for us to understand. Turn with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. Again, this is another familiar story. 1 Kings chapter 18, starting verse 22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us, let them choose one of them for themselves, and let them cut it to pieces, and put it on the wood, but 
not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call the name of your God, and I will call the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire is God. Then all the people said, What you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, if there are so many of you. Call the name of the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given there and prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal, morning till noon. O Baal, answer us. They shouted. There was no response. No one answered. And they danced around at the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he's a god. Perhaps he's keeping thought. Or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered, no one paid attention because there was no one home. Folks, prayer in itself has no power. If prayer in itself had power, the thing that these folks were doing, it should have produced some kind of results, right? Because they were doing all the things, man, all the crazy dances, slashing themselves. If prayer had any power, boy, they should have got a response. But you know what? They got no response because they were not praying to the true living God. Prayer in itself has no power. Or to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. You see, folks, prayer in itself, no matter how, how good, or even if we could have all the right words and all the right things, prayer in itself has no, no power. It is simply a secondary thing, simply a secondary cause. Her prayer must be powered and directed by the primary or immediate cause behind all secondary or immediate causes, which is God. Okay? That's such a key, important thing. Don't, don't, if we, if we somehow think that there's a magic formula, or if we can just get our prayers right, you know, if we can just say all the right things, maybe we slap a, in Jesus' name on it, boy, and folks, which is, a lot of people who feel that way, you know, if we can just get our prayers right, and we just punch the right buttons, boom, get God to act, boy, if we can just get it right. But folks, it's important for us to understand, prayer itself has no power, there is, there is nothing magic about prayer. It is a secondary thing. It is God that empowers prayer. So let's get to our, let's turn back to Ephesians. Let's, let's get to our text here. So here's the question. Have you ever prayed in the Spirit? Now, I'm going to use a caution here because I don't want people to start getting nervous. They were about to go Pentecostal. Which would be okay. But we're not. Okay, what Paul's going to be talking here, he's not talking about a prayer language. If you look at that in 1 Corinthians, he is speaking of, you know, it, it is, that is a, a spiritual prayer. That's not what Paul's talking about here. We're talking about in the Spirit. But have you ever prayed in the Spirit? What does it Praying in the Spirit. The first one is over in Jude. Over in Jude. Verse 20. 
Jude, verse 20, so this is only one chapter. It says, But you, dear friends, build, your, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, the context there, what Jude is talking about, is he's talking about people who live out of the flesh. Who live out of the flesh. And Paul says, Listen, we have the Holy Spirit. We don't live out of the flesh. Therefore, we need to build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So, so the idea of praying in the Holy Spirit there is in contrast to praying in the flesh, which is important. And it has something to do with what Paul's talking about here. The other place, the place we're going to camp out here, is in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And of course, we know that this is Paul's great letter. Um, and I believe he's going to help us understand what he means by praying in the Spirit. So Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. This is an amazing passage of Scripture, something that I have probably up to this point not really understood. So we're going to look at this. So first of all, Paul says, in the same way, so because he's saying the same way, we have to look at what Paul has said previously. And if you, if you read that, and I won't read that this morning, two things uh, that Paul talks about. He talks about the fact that the creation hopes for liberation. So in other words, that the, the, the creation has been subjected to frustration for a period of time, uh, subject to corruption and frustration, but yet it, it anticipates what's coming, and it, it's as if the whole creation groans. It's like, it has to be here, this place of frustration, but, but it is groaning. And, and it, it, Paul even talks about it, uh, it's almost like uh, the pains of childbirth, just like until it's an anticipation of what's coming. The, the creation's groaning. He also says the children of God hope for final redemption. And both of us, we, we eagerly wait and we groan. We eagerly await and we groan. And so Paul is using that to then help us understand what he's talking about when he talks about the Spirit's help. In the same way. So the creation hopes for liberation. The children of God hope for final redemption. We are in this position of frustration and, and eager, eager expectation, and we, we groan. Okay? So in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray. And the Spirit intercedes for us with inexpressible groans. So you see those things? And we have an eager expectation, we have groaning in all these cases, the creation, the children of God, and then even the Spirit of God is groaning. Well, let's look at that word for a second, groaning. The, uh, the word is, the word there is stenagmos, stenagmos, and it comes from a, a Greek word that is histani, histani, that has to do with to cause or make, to, to stand. To uphold or sustain, or to stand by or near. It's an interesting word. The best that I can figure out what the word, word means is that groaning seems to be the, be the expression of those who wait eagerly and patiently in hope for something while they stand. Now, I was trying to think of an analogy of this. All right. How many of you have been on your way to Disneyland with little kids in the back seat? 
and you've been in the car for 10 hours, and they've got to sit still, and they've got to be quiet, not like act like little hooligans. Now, they don't want to be there, right? And yet, Disney World's coming up, right? Eventually, at the end of this thing, it's Disney World. But they're having to wait. Now, can anybody tell me what the groaning of the kids is? What's the thing that they say constantly? Are we there yet? <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good analogy or not, but you can kind of understand what the idea here is. It's like this, it's something that comes from within you, and you're, you're in this state of, of, of having to stand here, and you're not in the place that you want to be, and you're eagerly expecting what is to come, and then it's like, from deep within you have this groan, right? You have this groan that you, that you have. So keep that in mind as we look at this. So it's like the, the, the creation is groaning in expectation. We are the children of God. You know, folks, you live in it. You live in a world that is frustrated. We live in a world in which we know that this, that this is not our home, that there's something seriously wrong here. We are anticipating what is to come. And we're not really sure, but we, we groan. And the Holy Spirit does this as well. So let's look now at the word helps. The Spirit helps. It is sedan tilem benomia. This is an obscure word. I could not quite get the, uh, the, uh, the how, to, how to say it. It's only used twice in the New Testament. Here in Luke chapter 10, verse 40. Let's turn over there real fast. Luke chapter 10, verse 40. This is a, a familiar story. It's a story of Mary and Martha. And Jesus is at the home. And you remember that, that uh, Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha's up, you know, trying to get everything done and working to get the dinner ready and whatever, stuff like that. And uh, finally she gets frustrated, comes to the Lord in verse 40. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, made, that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Okay? That word carries the idea of um, asking somebody to carry their end of the load. Okay? That's helpful. Carry their end of the load. How many of you guys have ever moved a piano? <laughs> or maybe you really felt heavy sofa? Yeah. Isn't it frustrating if you don't have two people that are pretty equally matched, right? Because you can be carrying the wrong along and if the other person buckles, you've got serious problems, right? That's the idea of this word. Help. Help. The Holy Spirit helps. Okay? So keep that in mind. So the Holy Spirit's groaning, and the Holy Spirit helps. Okay? He's there to help us, to carry the other end of the load so we don't have to carry this load on our own. Okay. So now let's look. How, how does this work? How does this work? Well, Paul's going to go on to, to talk about this, how this works back in Romans chapter 8. So the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit's groaning. And then in verse 27, this is what he says. And he searches up our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So here's what happens. 
God, to whom we pray, searches our hearts. He doesn't just listen to our words. Now, that's good news. God, God who, who he, he comes and he searches our hearts, how we ought to pray. The word in the uh, original, where it says here that we don't know uh, what we ought to pray for, the four is not in the, in the original. So that, that was a, something that the, was added. Really, it just says we don't know what we ought to pray. So what Paul's saying is we don't know what we ought to pray. Okay? But God searches our hearts. Folks, this is why it's so important in prayer that our hearts be right. Our, it's more important that our hearts are right with God than that we say all the right things. That's good news. For you that would claim to say, yeah, I consider myself a prayer weekly, it's okay. It's okay. Because God searches the heart. What's more important is your heart is right with God. Remember in James, it talks about, you know, he's talking about Elijah, how Elijah prayed for, for rain, or for no rain, and prayed for rain, so it's effectual for a prayer of a righteous man, it avails much. Folks, what he's saying is, the person whose heart is right with God, their prayers are very effectual, okay? And you remember that whenever Elijah was doing that, God told him what to do. God told him what to pray. It wasn't there somehow, he was some super saint, even though he was. It was because God was working and his heart was right with God. So God, to whom we pray, searches our hearts. He doesn't just listen to our words. And then God knows the mind of the Spirit because they are one in essence. So, so we have a heart that's right with God and we have the Holy Spirit within us. And guess what? Even though our words may, may not be right, God searches our hearts and the Spirit within us. God knows the mind of the Spirit because one in essence, right? And so look at that connection that we have there. So we have a heart that's right with God, we have the Holy Spirit within us, and God the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit knows God's will because they are one in purpose. So now look at the connection that we have here. The, the God the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. The Spirit and God the Father are one in purpose. So they are connected there. And then listen to this. The Spirit prays prayers to God the Father through us. Folks, that's exciting. The Spirit prays prayers to God the Father through us. Theologian Karl Barth put it this way. It's so, such an amazing statement. God makes himself our advocate with himself. That he utters for us that ineffable groaning, so that he will surely hear what we ourselves could not have told him, so that he will accept what he himself has to offer. Let me read that again. God makes himself our advocate with himself, that he utters for us that ineffable groaning, so that he will surely hear what we ourselves could not have told him, so that he will accept what he himself has to offer. I tried to find this on the internet. I couldn't find it. You may have ever heard, I remember, uh, I saw it or I just heard the story of, you picture, picture a, little, a little child uh, or a young child with a piano playing chopsticks, right? Maybe not very well. But then imagine somebody who's like an expert piano player who comes comes alongside, comes behind, and begins to add all your stuff. 
And all of a sudden, what's coming from the piano is something that is so beautiful and so wonderful, right? Because there's somebody there who's filling it in. Folks, that's the picture that Paul is painting here. That we may need prayer weaklings. We may feel like that we are ineffective in prayer, but you know what? Don't worry. Come with a heart that's right with God. And the Holy Spirit will pray masterpiece prayers through you. God is happy with prayer. He has chosen to use prayer so that you can join with us. Prayer is a joint effort between us and the Spirit. The Spirit will uphold His side of the road. Okay? The Spirit will uphold His side of the road. As long as our heart is right with God, we cannot expect God to hear us if we are harboring sin, if our heart is not right with God. But when our heart is right with God, we can come in our weakness and our own failings, and the Holy Spirit will come to do rest to make us prayer warriors. Now turn with me back to Ephesians chapter 6. Folks, Paul in this entire portion of Scripture has been talking about the, the battle which we face against an enemy who is far superior to us, who is far more crafty and wise than us, far more powerful. And folks, we don't stand a chance against him in our own strength. You notice that all of the armor here is really God doing it. He comes and he says, you know what, I know you're a weakling and I know that you don't have a chance, but I'm going to take my armor and I'm going to cover you with it and I'm going to give you all the right things that you need to be victorious. But when it comes to prayer, folks, it's not entirely different. And that is why Paul says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Why? Because Paul's saying, I know you guys are, are really awesome in prayer. I know that you guys, man, when you guys pray, I mean, it just, you guys say all the right words, don't you? What he's saying is, I, Paul understands. He understands the power of the Spirit. And so he is urging, he is urging these prayer weaklings, which is all of us, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You see what Paul is saying? Folks, if we will come, then we will do it. If we will take the time, if we will come with hearts that are right with God, even in our failing and our prayer weaklings, as being prayer weaklings, the Holy Spirit will come and make us prayer warriors. Because prayer is a joint effort. Folks, why do you think that Satan, when it comes to prayer, you know what his number one thing is? You're too busy. You're too busy. You've got way too much on your plate. Folks, the same Satan knows that he has, he has no match against those of us when we pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will hold up his side, but we've got to hold up, uphold our side. We've got to take the time to pray. We've got to be willing to go to our prayer closets, go to us and spend the time. Don't worry about saying all the right things. Don't worry about whether you, you feel effective or, or, or whether you feel like that, that it's going anywhere. Don't worry about all of those things. Come and take the time. Make sure your heart is right with God and you get to pray that the Holy Spirit 
Revelation. Just to close out the idea of the Son of the Mediator. Cause 21, Revelation 21. You know, the reality is, folks, that, that prayer is a temporary thing. It's temporary. Just like the Son is temporary. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 22. Listen to this. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. You see how the, the, the immediate uh, place of meeting God has been taken away because we see face to face. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, and there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Folks, we anticipate a day when there will be no more sun because God Himself will give us light. We look forward to a day when we will not need prayer anymore because we are going to speak to God face to face. But in the meantime, God has given us prayer. We've got to be willing to take the time and to, to engage in prayer, to be a prayer warrior, realizing that God, the Holy Spirit, will attend our prayers. If our heart's right, we've got to be willing to hold up our head and take the time. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to close by us reading the Lord's Prayer together. I have it on the screen. That may not be your particular version. That's all right. Say it however you want. Folks, let me tell you something. Here we have the Lord Jesus giving us his directive on prayer. If you want to pray prayers that are, that are the best in keeping with the Spirit and with God's will, the Lord has given us this wonderful prayer. This is a way to, to give us the perspective we need to make sure that we are being, our prayers are becoming in line, in line with God's will. What a wonderful treasure we have. Let's recite the saints together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we thank you we thank you for the wonderful gift we have in prayer. Father, forgive us that we have been so neglectful. Oh, Father, if we are going to be victorious, we've got to be a praying people. Lord, it's not only a communication thing, but you have called us to be part of the intercession for our world and to Lord, to pray for people. Lord, it is you have ordained that it is part of the process. You have allowed us to be a part. We are called to, to make disciples. We are called to, to be witnesses. We are called to pray. <coughs> Father, forgive us. And I pray that you would help us, that we would be praying church. I pray that we would not allow the enemy to deceive us and tell us we don't have time or that somehow our prayers are, are not meaningful. Father, help us to realize that we take the time 
Oh Lord, you will be with us. You will attend by your Holy Spirit. Prayer to be effective. Father, we know that our, our world, our families, our nation, they need us to pray. They need us to be prayer warriors in this battle. So I pray that you would help us. Help us not to go into this place and forget what we've heard, but help us be excited. Help us be excited about prayer. Help us be excited so that we will guard time so that we have time to pray. Time to, to go away and, and pray. Lord, however you, you lead us, Lord, that we would be praying people, that you would urge us on, that you would not allow us to, to just uh, neglect prayer. And help us to trust Holy Spirit that you will be there to hold it through. We thank you. Dismiss us now in your peace. We give you praise. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.